I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. So, back for another episode. That's right, episode nine. We are so close to the end here. We are. Have you been? Pretty good. Busy. I finished that massive blog post the other day. You probably saw, I know you were going back and forth on Twitter with some suggestions and, and some pain points and whatever. But yeah, I finished that thing. It was like 5,000 words. Yeah, it's pretty good. I haven't got through the whole thing yet. <laughs> I don't think most people have. Like, looking at the analytics, it's hilarious. Like... The read time on it, I think, was like 32 minutes or something stupid, so... It's hard to find that time commitment. <laughs> yeah, I put a lot of work into it, like, so I was glad to see it launched, but it was also kind of like that thing where you launch something really cool, and then afterwards you kind of just feel, like, a bit empty. <laughs> You're just like, what do I do now? Yeah, I, I'm i definitely going to read the whole thing, because I crave learning about other people's workflows, especially with testing, but anything with development. I love watching live streams, all that stuff. Because I just like to see how other people tackle the same things that I tackle. Yeah, I hope I hope kind of like all skill sets read it, but at the same time, it, it was intended as a bit more of an introduction. So, you know, some of the stuff I'm getting back on Twitter, while I definitely like agree, I think they're looking at it as a lens from like maybe some higher level testing. And it's kind of just like, well, I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. So... I'm a big fan of back to basics, you know, like there's, it's never a bad time to revisit the basics and revise some of your preconceived notions. Yeah. So yeah, I finished that up uh, and then just kind of getting back to that project um, that I want to work on. So kind of targeting early August for that. Exciting. What about you? Uh, just working on my project still, still trying to find a name. It's being a horrible thing. Naming things is ridiculously hard. Got to make it easy. Come on. Go back and listen to, what was it? Episode six? Yeah. I don't know that that advice always helps when you've got to deal with trademarks and what's actually available. And <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, hopefully I'll have something to release in the next couple of weeks. Cool. All right. So the code. Today we're talking about rule of three. So rule of three is something that I hadn't actually, I hadn't heard the term before I'd read the book. There's some of the quotes that I've heard. Um, there's a really great one by Sandy Metz that says, duplication is far cheaper than the wrong abstraction. And I'd heard that before and I've kind of like gone, oh, that sounds cool. But I didn't. it didn't really click for me. I don't think until I'd actually read this chapter. It's one of those things where you, you can hear a concept from a few different places, but sometimes it takes it being explained in different ways before it actually before you take it on board or before you actually have that aha moment. Oh my gosh, that's, that's so meta because that's exactly <laughs> what the rule of three is. It takes multiple times yeah. to kind of hear and process something until you totally grasp it or you grasp it enough to be able to implement it. So there you go, super meta. There you go. So hopefully we can do the same for people listening today. Maybe they've heard about it before. Maybe this is the first time. Maybe this... Maybe they won't get it taken on board right now, but maybe this is, you know, the first time and then there'll be a second and then who knows. Yeah, so I was actually the opposite. I had heard the rule of three kind of proper from the beginning, or at least was introduced with it uh, from Martin Fowler and in Refactoring, who attributed it to Don Roberts, I guess the original, who had said... Uh, the first time you do something, you just do it. The second time you do something similar... You wince at the duplication, but you do the duplication thing anyway. The third time you do something similar, you refactor. 
So just kind of hinting at this like one, two, three approach. And, you know, you don't really worry about kind of getting in there and avoiding the duplication or removing the duplication or, or building in abstractions or even refactoring it until you kind of reach that third or fourth or fifth time. So down the road is the point. And of course, Fowler summed this up with just three strikes and you refactor, which is a nice little baseball reference. But, you know, later, in fact, I think in the process of writing this book or working on a talk that was about the base code practices, I did come across the Sandy Metz quote as well about duplication being far cheaper than the wrong abstraction. And I think there she was kind of combating the dry principle. And, and really, ultimately, that so does the rule of three. But that was kind of the origin of it all. And, you know, so again, it's it's not a JMAC original. This is kind of a, uh, a bringing together of, of several different, you know, quotes to kind of emphasize this point of like, don't worry so much about duplication because it can be a distraction in a way when you're writing code. Like, just do it. Just write the code. Even the second time, just deal with the duplication. Because I think what we miss is that we're learning more about whatever that piece of code is and how it works, but also how we're adding to it. Like, since code is constantly evolving, we don't want to make presumptions about what it's going to do next. But once you get two, three, four, five data points under your belt, maybe you have a start to have a decent idea of what it might look like or how it's going to be used. Yeah. And you mentioned dry, which for those who haven't heard of it, it's short for don't repeat yourself. Exactly. And it's this kind of mantra that I definitely had drilled into me from yeah a very long time ago. The idea being that if there's code that you've repeated the same code again somewhere else, that that's, you know, a smell. And it is a smell, but it's not necessarily, like, the, the whole point of this, I guess, is that you don't have to immediately try and find a clever way to remove that duplication. Oftentimes, if you try and get too clever with it, you end up creating this abstraction and when you have more information later on about, you know, like when there's another scenario, that particular abstraction doesn't fit it quite right. So then you end up, you know, adding extra parameters to a method or whatever it is to handle the situation. Whereas if you just lived with that pain for a little while, then there might've actually been a better way that comes forward. So that's where the, the duplication is far cheaper than the wrong abstraction comes from in that if you do kind of straight away, try and not repeat yourself, you may create a solution that down the road is is harder to kind of refactor from. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for uh, drawing out that acronym for the listeners. And of course, we'll link Sandy's talk in the uh, show notes. But that's exactly what she says. She talks about how like in the beginning, dry is kind of this first practice and principle that we learn. And because of that, it tends to stick with us the longest and we kind of never abandon it. And, and that's kind of where she leads in and, and pushes you to say, look, duplications just, it's a, it's a way easier thing to deal with than the wrong abstraction, which you might have had to carry through the code base as it evolved, which is a much harder thing to do. It, it's going to lead to more complexity. It's going to lead to less readability because you're always going to be like, what, what, what is this abstraction? And, you know, you're just not there yet. Yeah. And that quote earlier about where Don says you should wince at the duplication, that's the part that kind of drives people to do these premature abstractions because they do wince at the duplication and they think that wincing is a good reason to move forward. And I think we've all been there where we go, yeah, this feels dirty, this feels gross, I'm repeating the same thing. 
And it's not until you kind of, like, even when I heard Rule of Three, I'm like, okay, like, I know what I'm doing, you know, I've been doing this a while. But it wasn't until I deliberately kind of was like, okay, no, I'm duplicating something. I'm just gonna let it go and live with it. And just to see what happens. And there's been a few times now where it's proven to have led to a better abstraction. So yeah, I, I live by it now. It's, um, it's a bit of a game changer. I think that's another important piece of that quote is kind of that wincing at the duplication. If you're not wincing, and you just recognize it simply as duplication, then there's no reason to probably ever abstract it, right? That wince is a very key reaction that's happening. You have to be like, gosh, this is clumsy to manage because of the duplication, right? I already did this kind of hard thing somewhere else and now I'm copying like 14 lines of code, right? Or something along those lines. Again, it's not about the numbers. It's just more about the fact that it's the complexity. And so you're kind of like, oh, that's gross. But like, I know it's kind of a more concrete example. Uh, if I had an object uh, and it had a property on it and I accessed that property through its getter method, I would normally store that value in a temporary variable to use in the block of code to follow, right? Instead of everywhere where I needed to use that value, just calling the getter like over and over and over and over. Because somewhere in my mind, it, it felt like, you know, all sorts of things that we kind of attribute to that. Like it felt like duplication. It felt like it wasn't performant, right? Like it just, it seemed like the wrong thing to do. And I would, I would wince is the point. So that's why I would make the temporary variable. But now... I kind of tend to not do that anymore. I just allow myself to continually use, you know, the getter because at the end of the day, it's just a, a property reference. Like it's no different than than directly accessing that property if, you know, if it had the visibility. So what's the big deal? And, you know, some would argue, oh, well, it's the overhead of the function call and this, that, and the other, right? But it's just kind of like, I don't know. I, I don't wince at it anymore is the point. So I don't change that. Whereas I might've used to do that. So that wincing is very important. You know, if, if that does make you wince, then fine, make the temporary variable. Uh, but if it, if it doesn't make you wince, then you just leave it. Yeah. There was obviously something drilled into all of us a while ago where it's like, yeah, don't call the method multiple times because of the overhead, but the clarity of the code is now my main thing that I'm going for. And with our modern stuff, these are becoming like a nano optimization that's not really worthwhile. I mean, maybe it was back when you had to count your bytes, but we're not there anymore. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe that's something, if we continue to do some episodes, we should definitely talk about performance. But I think that's another thing, much like the dry principle, that's really kind of beat into us early on as as programmers of like, you know, you you know, make sure to be performant. Make sure to make sure you know performance matters. And it's kind of just like, it 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 really actually depends. It's performance is a very contextual thing. Like you can get away with a lot, you know, before you probably need to start worrying about the uh you know frame stack, yeah, <laughs> of a, of a the overhead of an additional function call. So. Yeah, for sure. There's times where performance does matter. So like, I don't think either of us are saying don't care about performance, but there's, yeah, to me, it's like I said, a nano optimization, which is like less than a micro optimization, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think you got it. So, <laughs> anyway. So yeah, do you want to talk about some other concrete examples? Um, I have one that I was working on like literally the other day, and I haven't even got to the point where I have found the refactor. So to, to kind of talk about it just very, very briefly, I have this kind of concept in this app I'm building where I need to have date fields where the day and the year are optional. 
Um, but I want to kind of store them in the database with just the current, like the, the first of the month and the current year. And they have these Boolean flags that kind of indicate whether the day or the year was actually provided or not. Hmm. And I had this on one model. And then later on, I was like, oh, this other model, I actually want to apply this concept to. But it was a little bit different. Like the field names were a little bit different. In this case, the year was optional, but the day wasn't. And all of a sudden my brain started churning about, oh, how can I create like a trait so I can reuse these two getter methods that I had to kind of grab the date in the format that I wanted? How can I create this trait so that it's reusable? I'd have to create these extra properties so that I can tell it which database field it belongs to when it's in this case. All of a sudden I'm like, no, rule of three. I'm, I'm over-engineering this right now. Just copy it, paste it, and actually, you know, change it for the different scenario because it is a different scenario. It shares similarities and live with that for a while. And then, you know, I'm sure later on something will come to me where I'm like, okay, now I've got, you know, I've got the, the hindsight. You know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. You can kind of get that hindsight without actually having to commit to a solution by just, just waiting for a bit and letting time be your friend. Yeah, I mean... Even as I listen to it, of course there's a solution. You know, of course there's a trait that you could add to that. And that's kind of immediately where my brain went. And then, of course, you start thinking like, oh, well, I could do these properties and the, and the field name could just be a property and then, or, or it could be an array of, of fields that all have this. And there's a sub-object that lets you know which parts of the date are going to be tracked. Yeah, and that's, I started going down that path. I literally was writing the code. And I'm like, I'm yak shaving here, you know, like, I just want to get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's the complexity that you would introduce simply from that you would have to carry. And then what happens when there's one more bit of difference that the next object that does this needs? And now you got to go in and you got to fix them all. And you gotta... So it, I think people diminish the weight of carrying code because we're, you know, we're just so used to just typing code. What's what's the big deal? It's cheap, right? But it's, I don't know, it's it's actually not. There's an acronym that I, you know, unfortunately created in the book as well, DONE, which is defer until necessary. And, and I don't necessarily bring it up to try to make it stick. I, I just bring it up to that deferring until it's absolutely necessary, to your point, to make this object because it's shared in so many places. And you've nailed down the specification, right? Like, it's not about three or four or five or six even. It's about deferring that abstraction until you realize, first of all, it's necessary. And second of all, you have a clear path through. Don't force it. Yeah. And it might feel like you're creating like technical debt because you're creating this duplication that now at some point you might have to go and fix up, you know, repay that debt. But the wrong abstraction is also going to be technical debt as well. Yeah. I do think on like, single developer project it's a little bit easier to manage because in my head I kind of know where these duplications are and when the next one happens I'll know that it's there um, I think it can be a lot harder when you're working on a team or on an open source project to apply some of these things but this is kind of an area where you know we talk about removing comments but sometimes like I've actually added comments to the duplicated code as just a reference with a unique string that links sure. that you know that that reference in both places so if someone else in the future is going to is going to copy that code or want to use that code yeah. it has a little marker saying that this is duplicated somewhere else 
you can find it with this string and maybe that person is the third person or the fourth person or whatever it is, but maybe that's the time to refactor and it kind of makes them aware that there is already some duplication there. Yeah, I've definitely tagged, I tag plenty of things in code. So, you know, I know, I know, you know, one of the previous practices was remove comments, but I, I consider that a bit different, you know, this tag or this marker, or even sometimes I'll make an annotation. It's, it's maybe not a formalized one, but it, you know, it'll be like at duplication or something like that. And it'll yeah. just, you know, that's a little tag in the code to say, okay, this is duplicated. And to your point, you can give it a label so you can easily search the project. Okay. Well, how many times am I really doing this? And Again, I, I would. I think that's interesting because it gives you this kind of um, a bit of analytics around it, and I bet you'd find that, you know, for most things, even though you think it's duplicated two or three times, like it probably stops right around there, and, you know, maybe that's because you're always refactoring, but maybe it's also because it never gets as big as you think. You know? Yeah. I don't know if that would be pessimistic or optimistic, but we always kind of think, oh, I'm going to use this everywhere. Like I gotta. I got to build that up. I got to build that date object to be able to toggle, you know, the date, the date parts on and off. So, but maybe, maybe you never use it again. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it is a good way to kind of prevent over-engineering, um, which I've definitely been guilty of. There was also, there's another a technique that um, my partner and I were talking about recently. There was a, a book by Basecamp that's just come out, I think. And they're kind of talking about their, their six-week cycle of when they're doing like feature development. And then afterwards they have like a two week cycle where they kind of are allowed to go in and, you know, repay some of the technical debt and fix some of those things, which I thought is quite a good time actually to maybe, you know, if you're going to live with the duplication, having that two weeks to go in and go, okay, now that I have this hindsight, is it worth refactoring this now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I definitely saw on Twitter they had, they had released something. So we'll link it in the show notes. But yeah, I haven't gone through it uh, yet. But yeah, I guess to the point that we're making here, like if you have six weeks to kind of familiarize yourself with the code and the project and you're just kind of, you're just kind of working, right? You're just doing it. Uh, you know, you're going to have all that in your head, like later of things that you actually want to clean up. And, you know, it's, it's actually kind of cool because the things you remember Clearly, they are things that, you know, are still making you wince, right? But, like, that thing on day two that you thought of that you wanted to avoid duplication on or clean up, like, maybe you'd forgotten after five more weeks. And that's kind of the point. You know, in the moment, you got to stifle that initial kind of knee-jerk emotion that you might have to to build the thing or do the abstraction or whatever because it's exactly that. It's a distraction. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that kind of makes it hard when you're, you know, working on a team or working with other people is I think there is this need to, f to kind of get things right because a lot of people aren't given the opportunity to go back and refactor because the business doesn't see the value in it. It's sometimes hard to to get, you know, non-developers to understand, you know, the importance of refactoring and maintaining and pruning and all that sort of stuff. So, I can definitely see why that would be hard for some people and why they do feel the need to try to get it right the first time. Yeah. So maybe there's one thing I want to end with, which is kind of a little exercise that I do a lot of times when I'm at a conference or whatever, because I feel like this really drives home the rule of three and okay. it also plays to kind of our mathematical nature. So um, it's just a fun little example. It's, it's not really about code, so it might be easier to do over a podcast as well. So so we'll see. So so you can kind of be the guesser 
okay, and I'm going to be the, the quizzer or whatever. <laughs> uh, so what I often do is I provide like a sequence of numbers and I, and I ask what's next, right? So given this number, what is the next number in this sequence? Okay. And so if I said two and I said, what's the next number? What would you say? I'd have to say I don't have enough information. Three, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Three. Anything else? Any other guesses? Like, what would be some guesses, right? I mean, you could, you could say four, because you could be thinking it's going to go two, four, six, eight. Sure. Two, three, four. Yeah, it could be 2.1. This is true, yeah. It could be going backwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's not enough data points to know anything. <laughs> yeah. Could be a lot of different things at play here. So, you know, we might jump to certain common patterns, you know, two, four, six, that's that's cool. Nice even series. So if I were to give you another number in the sequence, and now I said, okay, the first number is two, the next number is four, what's next? Well, the one that I would kind of jump to is going to be six, mm -hmm. but it could be thinking it's doubling. So it could be two, four, eight, um, those are the kind of the two that come to my mind. I'm not the most mathematical um, uh oh. Mathematically minded, I know. <laughs> no, but I mean, those. Are, the point is, we have less guesses now. Right? Yeah. So even with just one more data point, there's definitely less. So we, it's not going backwards. Yeah. So we have two data points. We kind of know what's going on now. So if I give you a third in the series, two, four, and then the next number would be sixteen. What is the next number? So it would be. And I apologize because you said you you weren't mathematically. Sixty sixty four. Uh, no, it's not 64. No? So 2, 4, and then what was the one after that? 16. 2, 4, 16. No, you might have to explain this one to me, I'm afraid. <laughs> so it's 256. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's, Why is a, it? it's a squared series. It's an exponential series. So. Okay. So the number before it is being squared. So 2 squared is 4. 4 squared is 16. 16, 16 squared is 256. 256. Gotcha. 256 yep. squared. I'm going to get my calculator out. But the point is is that you start to see this series with yep. you know, 3, 4, you know, in, in your case, 4 or 5. <laughs> you would start to pick up. Uh, but yeah, the point is, is that as we went along the way, like that first time was like we had no clue, right? No clue. Yeah. Second time, maybe felt a little more confident. Uh, third time, I think, yeah, maybe armed with a calculator. But definitely that fourth, fifth, as you start to grow more. And that's the yeah. point. That's the rule of three. It's, 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 just, it's seeing a pattern. Yeah. And in recognizing a pattern. Yeah. It's deferring until you better understand the problem. And so that's the rule of three. And that's kind of just a simple example to that's not really code related that doesn't have any bias about what the code is or doing or its level of performance. This is just sheer data. And, you know, the exercise I always thought was fun in the fact that it, it really just kind of drove home the point of as I get more data, as I see this duplication more, I, I can better understand and abstract what the next thing will be. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's that's it for me. Yeah, me too. Awesome. So we've got one more left, which is symmetry. Yeah, probably one of my favorite and the one that you will... I mean, I think all these will challenge you, but symmetry is probably the one that really just brings everything together and probably would challenge you for your entire programming career. So we'll finish up with that one and then 
I still think a question episode would be fun, a little challenge. Hey, here's this code, how would you do this? Obviously, we'd need to figure out like small snippets or something, and we could share a bunch of things in show notes, but... Yeah. Challenge us out there, people. Send us some stuff. Say, how would you remove this comment, or is this the rule of three, or how would I name this better? So, be interesting. Be interesting to try it out. Yep. All right. Well, I will. I will see you next week then. Cool. See ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com/slash nine.